Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. Pixar, the best storytellers in the world, have a rule book of 20 storytelling rules for their movies. One of my favorite ones is, we admire a character for trying more than their successes. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the, the Salesforce, Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's show, learn how to crush your first Salesforce job interview, even if you're new to it all. You know, we're here interviewing for a job we've never done before, but how do you get over that imposter syndrome? Also, we show you how to impress your prospective employers without selling yourself out. You don't have to pretend to be what you think you're supposed to be in order to land these jobs. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In our last episode, we talked about getting hands-on experience and we showed you a variety of ways to get hands-on experience. Some of that might be personal projects, group projects, or even volunteering for a nonprofit. We also talked about how valuable this hands-on experience is. And one of the biggest takeaways from our last episode was how important that experience is, not just to polish your skills, but to become interview ready. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking all about interviews and we have some amazing people here to help carry this conversation and get you educated on being interview ready for the current job market. Today, I have Anita Smith with me once again to help educate you guys. How are you doing, Anita? I am doing pretty well. It's funny that you bring up interviews. I actually had a few calls today with some recruiters, but don't let me uh, take up too much time. I want to introduce a very special guest, Justin Ducks. He is an interview expert. He's been with Talent Sacker over a year now, and he's interviewed over 100 members. He has been in the ecosystem for over six years as a Salesforce administrator. And yeah, Justin, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm happy to be here. There's really uh, nowhere else in the world I'd rather be than sitting right here at home. So I don't know if you remember this, Justin, but you actually did my mock interview over a year ago, and I'm pretty sure it's the reason I landed my current job. Wow. How can I forget? It was one of our first ones with the Talent Stacker program. And uh, it just means a lot to me to hear you say that. Were you nervous at all to, to practice? Oh my God, so nervous. It's weird because like, I know it's a, not a real interview, but still when you go into the mock interview and actually like there, it's just like, I kind of like froze up in the beginning a little bit. My hands started sweating, like pits started sweating. And I was just like, okay, okay. I don't know why, like in my mind, I know, okay, I'm not actually interviewing for a job, but actually going through the process, you, you feel the real feelings. Yeah. And that's one of the main reasons I recommend people record is it raises that anxiety just a little bit more to make it seem like a real interview. Because, uh, you know, it's so easy to just want to practice in your head, you know, read a list of questions, think silently to yourself, oh, I'm ready for these questions. Oh my gosh, you start opening your mouth, forming words with your lips. It's a whole different ball game. Yep. And that's why I love what I do. So much word vomit. 
I thought I had a good part of my interview down, but like some of the questions did get me. And I don't know, you you have like this really good gift at pinpointing what someone's story is. Just like the advice and tips you gave me at the end of the mock interview was really, really helpful. Right. And I always try to think about what sets people apart. Because in the job interview phase, you're probably down to the top five candidates or less. And honestly, they're probably going to be happy hiring any one of them. So it's about discovering. And I feel like a journalist trying to pull out of a candidate, what's going to make them shine? Why is Anita, in your case, different than the possible other candidates they might have? And uh, one of the things I, I, it was a long time ago now, you know, a year ago, but I, I still remember how concise and brief you were. I teach other students to go look for your video in our archives now to get an example of what it's like to have all the parts of an answer, but in less than a minute. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what makes you unique, right, Justin? It's like, yeah, you have all this experience now. And at this point, I think in my mind, I mean, I think this would probably be true that you are the most experienced sales force interview expert in the world. I would say that you are truly world-class and you are the most experienced Salesforce interview prep expert in the world. Truly, you just have you've been doing this for you know well over a year now, probably close to a year and a half. You've helped, as I believe Anita mentioned, over a hundred people through mock interviews. But more importantly than that, I know for a fact because I talked to our members who have landed jobs that you have been the difference. That the mock interview prep has been the difference for them where they were struggling. They were already certified. Maybe they had three certifications. And they had gone through volunteer projects and getting hands-on experience. And their their resume and their LinkedIn looked amazing, but they were falling flat over and over again in these interviews. And the whole point of an interview is to get a job offer. And if you're not getting a job offer, it doesn't mean you failed or you bombed the interview. But what it does mean is something was missing there. Because if you're getting invited to the interview, that means on paper, you look good. You look qualified. You look like you're going to be a fit. But then something happens in that interview that makes them go, maybe not quite the fit we were hoping that person would be. So there's there's a huge sort of break there. And that's the gap that you cover. And that's why you're so necessary to helping people break into Salesforce jobs. So I think one of the knacks that you have is that ability to take a person and help them formulate a story and help them show that story in interviews. So to me, it brings up this topic of a lot of people preparing for interviews by going out and studying interview questions and saying, what are the top 10 interview questions for a Salesforce administrator position? But I know you take a completely different approach and it's this ability to tell stories. Can you talk a little bit about how you help people get to those stories about themselves? Ironically, it's listening and I have a knack for talking. So I am aware that some loved ones in my life will be like, you can listen, Justin. And it's like, And it is in this context, I really enjoy it and find the mystery of who somebody is to be my favorite thing to discover. And so I think of one of our students who, where this lesson came from, it's the concept of professionalism and the myth around it. We have a student that he was 45 minutes into his mock interview and I'm sitting there going, I don't have it yet. I don't know what's going to break this through. You know, you're going to be a top two candidate, but I can tell already that you might just get a lot more rejection emails and you just got close, but didn't make it. And there's no second place in a job interview. You don't get any credit for that getting close, but no cigar. And so I remembered something he said at the 10th minute 
it was like, I have a limited background. That's all he said. He moved off the topic. He went somewhere else. And so that curiosity was like, tell me why you think you have a limited background. And then the, the microphone dropped. It all became crystal clear in my mind because he began to tell me, well, Justin, I wanted to be professional. I, I was about to tell you something about my limited background, but I stopped because you know I have this idea that I need to be a professional Salesforce administrator. I need to be a professional in the workplace. And so I thought that was going somewhere I shouldn't go. And I was like, well, what did you mean by it? And he goes on to explain that he had a limited background where he grew up. He didn't have access to a computer until he was in college. And now his computer science degree, studied Salesforce, became a certified administrator, has project experience, and we're practicing for that job interview. And it's a huge story. It's huge. It's like, as soon as you say it, I didn't have a computer until you're in college or before you're out of your adolescence. And that's your cue for the story, right? And I think when people are looking for stories, often they try to avoid perceived negatives. I see that a lot in volunteer projects too, You know, like we talked about in the last episode, where something bad comes up. Maybe they have a disagreement with someone on their project team. Or when you're in an interview, you might feel like there's something bad that's happened in your past that doesn't make you look good as a potential candidate for this company. And those are oftentimes the best opportunities to show that ability to overcome or an engaging story. And I know because you taught me this, um, you've taught me quite a lot about interviewing and, and really just communicating with people. And I think it was specifically around how to answer the question, tell me a weakness about yourself or, or tell me a shortcoming. And your thing was to lean into a true shortcoming. Like, what does your spouse say about you? What do your friends say about you that they just don't like? But more importantly, how do you overcome that? And it's not important to not have the weakness. That's not the goal. The goal is to not say, well, I had this weakness and then I fixed it. The goal is to say, I have this weakness, but I overcome it through using maybe tools or some type of you know calendar app or something like that. But I can use technology to overcome my weaknesses and I still have them, but I'm aware of them and I learned to work around them. So I think that's a huge element to this. It would be awesome, I think, if we could take a step back and think about some of the fundamental things that, that people do wrong. You know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, just telling stories as opposed to answering these grilling questions of like, you're just getting roasted and you have to answer a question or everything's going to fall apart. But I think that's almost an advanced topic compared to, you know, some of the things we could talk about. And, you know, one of those for me is the fact that, in the Salesforce world, over 90, I'd say 99 plus percent of interviews are completely virtual. So, you know, do you guys have any experience, you know, with virtual interviews and what people could do to to prepare for that environment? Yeah, I'm curious, when you turn on the camera for your mock interviews, what is the first thing you notice? Hmm. Nobody's ever asked me that before, but that is a fascinating question. So I'm thinking about minute five and I'm thinking about 10 seconds in. There are two different points of time in a mock interview and a, and a real job interview too. I need it to be consistent, like a congruous story or person in front of me. And so later they're going to open their mouth. They're going to answer the first question. They're going to start telling me the answers that they've prepared. A skillful job interview candidate demonstrates that they've prepared through what they say. But if you've blown that in the first 10 seconds, as soon as the camera turns on or the people join the call... It's incongruous now. And so confidence starts before you open your mouth and you are looking directly into the camera and you just show this readiness is what I would call it. It's an openness and your shoulders are back. Your posture is ready to sit for the next 45 minutes 
And the best students, the best candidates, the best job seekers, they're just already looking at the camera like, next, I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah, I would agree. I That's something I notice if they're looking at the camera, if their camera is at the right angle, if their lighting is good, I can tell if they're using a ring light or they're doing what I'm doing right now. You guys can't see it, but I have a window behind me and it's a really bright light. You should never do that. But I mean, it matters. That's your first impression when you turn on the camera. So are you dressed professional? Are you just wearing a t-shirt? I mean, I guess it depends on the company, but your first impression, I'm a little old school. I still think if it's an interview, you should be in business professional. Yeah. And, you know, we're all low energy, you know, getting through this, you know, third year of a pandemic when we're recording this. But, you know, so have I been in some interviews and some sweatpants? You better believe it. But I think you still want to try to set that first impression with whatever makes sense for the culture. So that starts at networking and how you've talked to some other people in the company, what their attire will be like. But right now, it's I think the standards have lowered <laughs> quite a bit for people. We're, we're, we're down to polos, basically, for, you know, men. You, you, it, it's kind of nice that we only need half our wardrobe now, or the upper half. Um. <laughs> it's funny. It reminds me of the story. I don't think he would mind me sharing, but Jihad had this story. He works at Snapchat now, but he he came through the program and I remember he had asked that specific question. It was like, what do I wear to the interview? I don't know what to wear. And I believe he was from New Jersey or he was living in New Jersey at the time. And he was interviewing for this West Coast sort of high tech company. And he was like, I don't know what to wear. I don't know what the company culture is. And so I think he ended up wearing like a sports coat with a t-shirt under it. And then basically when he showed up, he was way overdressed. Everybody was in t-shirts. And then he just kind of like adjusted the camera and took his sport coat off and just let it fall. And then he was like, all right, I'm dressed appropriately for this meeting. So when in doubt, just wear layers and pretend your camera cut out for a second and then swap back and you're good to go. Yeah. So much of a job interview is about what can you control and what can you not control? Your environment is squarely in the category of something you can control. And so what you're wearing, what your background looks like, things like that. Lighting. Lighting is a huge one. And I think so many people, as they think about preparation for a job interview, they start going to the questions and the, especially lists of technical job interview questions and start memorizing and preparing for that. And then they're just not ready for what actually ends up happening in a job interview, which is a conversation and a whole lot of judgment. <laughs> and the judgment is as simple as being confident in who you are and then waiting to see if they're okay with that. You don't have to fear their judgment. You don't have to fear what comes next, whether it's an offer or something else. Judgment starts from accepting yourself. I mean, that's easier said than done. But let's not forget, you know, we're here interviewing for a job we've never done before. But how do you get over that imposter syndrome? Yeah. The number one thing I'm doing in the mock interview is spending 45 minutes to an hour with somebody and quite literally giving them permission. I'm listening for who they are, their story, and then I repeat it back to them. Nine times out of 10, what it's doing is like a reflection of themselves in a mirror. And they're going, you saw that? You heard that? I'm like, yeah, I did. Now let them do it. Now tell the hiring team to do it. And that's when the connection is made in their minds. And I've seen it, I've witnessed it where they're like, you mean that's okay? And that's what I love about this career path is Hear me now, Salesforce ecosystem is massive. It is big. 
I truly believe there is a job in this ecosystem that is perfect for your personality type. Whether you've got ADHD, whether you want to stay home and be an introvert, whether you want to go into the office and work with collaborations and whiteboards the size of an entire wall, there is a role for you in this ecosystem. The trick is to figure out who you are and start steering your career towards those right roles. Yeah, that's spot on. And I think there's a, you know, if you didn't hear that, there's definitely a takeaway there. And it's that you can be yourself and be a Salesforce professional, right? You don't have to pretend to be what you think you're supposed to be in order to land these jobs. These are across almost any industry. We're talking, you can work in manufacturing, you can work in education, you can work in healthcare, you can work in finance, you can work in nonprofit, you can work in any industry because Salesforce is ingrained in almost every industry that there is. So there is a space for you and there's a culture for you, not just in the industry, but there are companies that are what we would sort of call old school. They're like, look, I want you to you know, be in the office. I want you to work eight to five. In fact, I want you to work eight to seven and I want you to be available for meetings after dinner. And if that's comfortable to you and you enjoy that work environment, you can find those companies, but they're really few and far between at this point, because at this point we're talking mostly you know, a lot of software companies, a lot of progressive work culture where you're talking about working from home, working in your PJs and, you know, people respecting each other's time and life outside of work a lot more than they ever have before. And I think it, it sort of brings up this idea for me that you've probably heard people say dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. And that carries over into a lot of different concepts. One of the places I see is your title on LinkedIn. People are so scared to say, Salesforce administrator, Salesforce professional. And you'll see if you have tried our five-day challenge. And if you haven't, make sure you go do that at talentstacker.com forward slash start. You can start that right now. But if you haven't, you're going to see on day three, we talk about personal branding, just like we talked about in a previous episode. And when we give you details on how to fill out your title on LinkedIn, we tell you, put Salesforce administrator, put Salesforce professional and people, they always want to put aspiring Salesforce professional. But this applies here too. It's put on your branding, on LinkedIn, on your resume, put the title you aspire to be, but you don't say aspiring this, right? You just say, be what you want to be. Showcase yourself as where you want to be, not where you are today. And this applies in interviews too, right? So you go into an interview you need to believe that you're a qualified Salesforce professional. You can't walk into interviews not believing that. If you don't believe you're qualified to do the job, you cannot expect anyone else to believe you're qualified to do the job. So you have to be the first one who says, you know what? I don't know everything. There's a lot to learn, but I'm ready to learn. And I can absolutely pick up right now and get the job done for this company. And I'm going to excel at it. Yeah, I agree with that. And to add on, I think it's more important to come off as likable because at the end of the day, you just want to be able to work with this person and know like, oh, okay, I could work with them every day and not want to kill them. They seem like reasonable, normal person to hang out with. Yeah, they might not be technically strong, but I know them enough that they can figure it out. So when you're in an interview and you have a tough question, you don't know the actual answer just you know, think out loud your thought process on how you would get to that final answer. And I, I think that your critical thinking and being able to figure things out is way more valuable than being able to spit out like technical answers. But moving on, Justin, what do you think about the like, tell me about your, your weaknesses type questions? 
They're my favorite, actually. And it's because it's usually the moment with a student that I'm starting to figure out who they are. And it, it depends on what story they tell me for their weakness. So it always ends up being the most revealing moment of a mock interview. And then they take that information that they tell me right there and make it part of their tell me about yourself answer at the beginning of their interview. Right in the first five minutes, they're starting to tell people what we learned out of the weakness question. So what do I mean by that? Somebody might say, uh, what is your greatest weakness? Well, I don't know. I, um, you know, you see their eyes dart off the monitor. And you're like, where are they going? Where are they going? Come back here. And they'll be like, well, Justin, I think I have, I'm worried that I'm going to have trouble getting a job because I have ADHD. Wow, that's serious. Like, I see what you mean. You know, do we reveal that or not? Like, well, here's your choices now. You just told me because we're practicing. But let me put a choice on the table for you. You could be anxious for your entire job interview, for the next 25 job interviews, worried that they're going to discover that you have ADHD, which sounds very nerve wracking to me. Or choice number two is you could go into your next 10 job interviews and in the first five minutes, absolutely tell them right in the first five minutes, I'm a certified Salesforce administrator for the last six months I've been learning this platform and uh, even got a chance to do a project. And one of my favorite things about this platform is it seems to keep me interested at all moments. And I'm somebody that grew up with ADHD at a very young age. And so that surprised me to have something so exciting to work in every single day and always keeps my brain activated. So I love this platform. I'm really excited to talk to you about it. But forgive me, sometimes I'll get a little distracted or go on a different tangent. That's just the way my brain works. But I've learned that in this platform, it can help me excel because there's so many disparate pieces of information or technology to try to connect together. And that's, that happens to be my strength. I love it. That is such a, a strong answer. I love leaning into your strengths and like your uniqueness. It, it just makes it, again, you have this like keen sense to like pinpoint what makes someone special and it makes them memorable because the interviewer is going to remember that. Like even going back to the beginning when you were sharing that story about someone growing up without a computer, you missed some parts, by the way. They, they grew up in a third world country. That's why they didn't have a computer. They had to go to the library to use the computer and to use the internet. Yeah. But I knew exactly who you were talking about. And this story is like, oh, this member, like this was from over a year ago. But storytelling, oh, it's such an important skill to have. Yeah. And the only reason I don't name names is because we each got to find our own story. And I want that to still be their story. And honestly, he just announced this week that he got a, another job, you know, so he's on to his second career in this space, you know, so like really great celebration there. And he said just last night in the meetup, what was the first thing I told him? That story. It gets their attention. The audience comes in. They're in for the ride now. And then you take them on that ride. So you're actually controlling the interview with stories by saying just enough that you want them to hear. Pixar, the best storytellers in the world, have a rule book of 20 storytelling rules for their movies. But one of my favorite ones is we admire a character for trying more than their successes. Yeah, I think that's huge. And obviously, you made a, a ton of really great points. And I, I, I hope everybody, you know, you should have a lot of key takeaways from that. But, but something that really stood out to me was when you talk about this ability to tell stories, you know, I've worked with a lot of people breaking into their Salesforce careers. And 
I used to ask them because for those of you who don't know, in the early days, I used to do the mock interviews and I used to help people one-on-one with their LinkedIn profiles. And I would ask them to tell me some things that are unique about themselves. Like what makes you unique as a person? And I wasn't nearly as experienced or advanced as you know Justin is with these mock interviews at that point. And what stood out to me is the number of people who thought they were not unique. They would tell me, there's really nothing unique about me, Brad. Like I don't have a unique thing to tell you that you could put on my profile. I don't have anything to really say in an interview that's unique. And it always blew my mind because I knew how unique and how valuable every single person was. So it occurred to me, how do you get to a point where you understand your story, where you understand your uniqueness and how that typically comes out is by engaging with other people. It's by talking to other people. And all of a sudden you'll realize they're latching onto you and they're going, whoa, are you serious? Like that happened to you? Or wait, is that a real story you just told me? Because that's crazy. And you start to realize, wow, I am unique and I do have these stories. And Salesforce is a perfect community to be involved in if you want to talk to people and you want to engage with people. And you know there are trailblazer community groups. There is engaging with other Salesforce professionals on LinkedIn. And then there's some of these, you know, just more hangout groups where you can be informal and talk to other people like the Salesforce for everyone group on Facebook. And there are just so many ways to engage with the community. And I would say, if there's one thing you can do to help develop your own story, get involved, talk to people, ask them for a quick coffee chat or a Zoom call. If you see an event that's being hosted, show up for it and share your screen and talk to people and tell them who you are. It's going to help you develop that story. So a lot of what you talked about too was what occurred to me is really it's imposter syndrome. It's showing up to these interviews and really not knowing what to say. And I, I remember you harping on this a while back about you know how it's okay to be yourself. And I think you're going to have a great answer for this question, but obviously I want to hear it from you. What would you do in an interview? What do you tell people to do in an interview if they flat out do not know the answer to a question? Maybe it's a technical question and they simply don't know. And I've seen people grapple and try to come up with some half-baked answer and they just sound ridiculous because they're so out and left field from what the right answer is. So what would you tell people when they get a question that they absolutely do not know the answer? Be wrong. And now what I mean by that is I've seen this happen and I've watched students through it now. Instantaneously, your mind is panicking because you're like, I don't know the right answer. Dang it. It's over. I'm done. I'm out of the contention. I can't, I'm not going to get this offer. It's over. Anxiety builds up. I'm going to need to go apply again. I'm going to have to go spend 45 minutes on the job application. It's all starting over again. It's not. All they've done is ask you a difficult question. And the true skill that you demonstrate to them in a job interview is that you can skillfully handle not knowing anything. (laughs) And so you have to meet that with eye contact to the camera is the first step. You haven't even said anything yet. Haven't said anything. You just look at the camera directly in the eyes. That takes so much confidence already. They've asked you a difficult question. You look at the camera straight in the eye and then you say the three hardest words, I don't know. So to recap, we've gone over setting up your area for an interview, you know, the intro elevator pitch, tell me about yourself part, answering tough questions, telling a story. Now we're going to lead on to Yeah, at the end of the interview, you should be asking like questions because they're like, do you have any questions for us? Obviously, ask questions. But even after that, after the interview is over, there is such a crucial step. A lot of people 
forget. And I guess maybe because I came from a hospitality background, we're always taught to send like handwritten thank you notes in the mail. Like, you know, you have to go to the grocery store, buy a stamp. I think that's where they sell stamps now and then put it in the mailbox. But um, with Salesforce, it's a little different. You can send an email, but still send an email, a thank you email. That is a really good spot. Like going back to the tough questions, if you like got a question wrong, that's a really good spot to correct yourself and be like, hey, I didn't quite answer this best, but I did some research and blah, blah, blah. Here's the answer to that question. Have you... um, seen any other like very meaningful follow-ups to an interview? Yeah, the most meaningful follow-up is one that's completed where somebody actually follows up. There's a phrase I learned from uh, one of our vice presidents at Best Buy. He had spent years working in China and um, he came back and became the leader of the division I was in at Best Buy. And he told all of us at, at a leadership level, like in China, there's millions and millions of people. You don't get any ounce of credibility when you meet a stranger on the street. None. There's millions of people just like you. But if you build that credibility little by little with a stranger, you know, showing up on time to an appointment, following up with an email when you said you were going to follow up, learning their name, you earn that credibility fast. And the job interview is actually the beginning of learning of learning that skill. And so sending a thank you note, I hate them. Absolutely hate them because I've spent way too many hours trying to write one and make it perfect and find every typo and you know not embarrass myself. I've done it. I've been there, right? But the secret is all in the first sentence. Thank you for the job interview. I really appreciated it. Send. 90% of candidates don't even do that much. It's really impressive, right? Because I've seen these threads on LinkedIn where recruiters or interviewers will say, there are some people who get really peeved when you don't send a follow-up. Like if they don't get a thank you, you're off the list. And I don't really agree with that, but my opinion doesn't matter when they're the one who's going to hire you. So if there might be one person out there who's interviewing you and they go, Hey, look, my rule of thumb is I don't care how good they were in that interview. If they don't follow up with me with a quick thank you, at least I'm not even looking at them because that shows me their ability to follow up with our customers. That shows their ability to follow up with their coworkers and just show appreciation when their coworkers do something awesome. And I want to work with people who appreciate it when other people do you know, good things or take time out of their day. And I always like to give people the advice of following up within one hour. And that's not, I know everybody's not going to agree with that and that's cool. But what it shows me is that if you got something terribly wrong in the interview, like if there's a question and you did not know the answer, If I'm interviewing you, I don't want you to show me the ability to follow up with me within 24 hours to a problem that you didn't know the answer to. I want you to show me the ability to very quickly realize that you got something wrong, research it, get the best practice answer, shoot me an email, say, hey, thanks for for the interview. I really appreciate your time. On top of that, I realize I answered a question sort of embarrassingly wrong, but I did take the time to go check that out. And based on this knowledge article I found uh, on Salesforce's website, this is actually the right thing to do. And I just wanted you to know that when I say I'm capable of learning on the fly, I'm capable of you know finding those answers quickly. This is what I found. And the other thing is, if you haven't heard back, a lot of people you know they haven't heard back within you know, a few days of an interview and they, you know, a lot of times interviewers will ghost you and, you know, you just never hear back if you didn't get the job. But I typically say, you know, if you want to send somewhere between four and seven days, another follow-up. And typically what I say in those is, Hey, just wanted to check in with you guys and look for something meaningful. Maybe it's something you were studying on trailhead. 
Maybe it's a, a badge that you earned or a topic you were covering and you remembered that company maybe uses a specific functionality or they had a certain pain point about their org where they needed help in a certain area. And you could say, hey, I just finished the super badge and I was thinking about you guys. And I just wanted to make sure you were aware internally of this new functionality that was just released because that could be a pretty cool idea for your org. It just shows again that if they still haven't made a decision, you might be the person to really think critically and creatively about how to help them. And that can change the game for their company and it can change the game for your results. So just something to consider, follow up in a meaningful way. And I think you'll find that as a theme if you talk to any of us, Anita, Justin, myself, you know, Alex from the last episode, everything needs to be meaningful and you can do things just 5% different. And if we do 10 different things in this journey and we do all of them 5% better than most people do, we're going to be 50% better than all other candidates just with very minor tweaks. And it makes a huge difference. I've got a great one-two punch for that too, because it's kind of like the most advanced, you know, pro tip I can give you. To be a skillful job interview seeker, you have to not only be able to speak and communicate your answers to their job interview questions during the conversation that unfolds, but you also got to be able to listen. And so it's those questions at the very end that you ask or they asked that can transform your thank you note that you send as a follow-up into something more meaningful because then you've demonstrated that you were also listening. So what does that look like? There was three people that interviewed you. Each person gets an individualized thank you note. Person one, you say, hey, thank you for that question about project management. I just wanted to recap. I did run this great project here in college. I don't know. Fill in the blank. Two sentences. Here's the hardest part about the writing of that note. No new information can be provided. You have to have said it in the job interview. It's a recap, not new information there. So answer each person individually. Again, sort of like with a one sentence recap and you say, thank you for the interview. Bye. Click send. The trick here is like Anita said earlier, I want to reiterate it again. They want a coworker. They want a teammate. And one of the best teammates is somebody that listens to their teammates. And so when you say, I heard your question, it's like music to their ears. Yeah, that's absolutely spot on. So there's been an incredible amount of information shared on today's episode. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us, Justin, and as always, Anita. But for everybody who is listening right now, if there's one thing we want to happen in every single episode, we want you to leave with action items. We want you to have things you can actually go do after the show in your life to take your Salesforce journey to the next level. So with that in mind, if you haven't already, make sure you head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start. And you've probably already gotten started with the five-day challenge. If not, we hope you have. But we're also going to set you up with our free interview prep guide. So this is going to be a lot of the things we talked about in today's episode with a couple of videos showing you step-by-step what you can do to be better prepared for your Salesforce interviews. If you're enjoying this content and you're liking the message that we're sharing, please make sure to click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And I hope you're excited for our next episode. Anita, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're going to cover next? Yeah, so we just covered interviews, but next episode, we're going to actually cover how to get these interviews, how to like search for the jobs, how to figure out what jobs to apply for. Because again, as we mentioned earlier, we all are experiencing some sort of imposter syndrome, obviously, We're applying for jobs we've never done before. So 
of course, there's going to be a little imposter syndrome there. But there are some key strategies you can follow. And we'll share those at next week's episode. Thank you guys very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonca. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.